Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on your campaign update this Wednesday here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane. Now, several years ago, my sons and I spent a few days camping in the Selway Bitterroot Wilderness in northern Idaho. It's grizzly bear habitat, but we carried bear spray, kept our campsites clean, and anticipated no major grizzly encounters. One evening in the middle of the night, I heard Randy scrambling around trying to get out of his sleeping bag. I grabbed my flashlight and turned it on, expecting to see him in the clutches of an enraged grizzly. There, sitting upright on its haunches and waving its paws in the air, was a field mouse about four inches tall. It had Randy's cap firmly clenched in its teeth. The little creature had tugged and tugged until he pulled Randy's cap from his head. As I laughed, the mouse dropped the cap and scampered away. We crawled back into our sleeping bags. I, however, fully adrenalized, couldn't get back to sleep and thought about another predator, the devil. Consider Satan's temptation of Jesus. He encountered his enticements with the scriptures. With each answer, Jesus reminded himself that God had spoken on this issue and therefore he wouldn't disobey. This caused the devil to flee. Although Satan wants to devour us, it's good to remember that he is a created being, just like the little rodent, John said. The one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. We are grateful that you're greater than any temptation that comes at us. Please provide the way out. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, there's lots of critters out there that are wanting to take something from you, and it's more than your hat. I think it's like the congressional critters that always take my shirt. That's what it feels like. You know? And your pants and your shoes. Yeah, yeah, everything. Uh, your so, loose change. They're even digging in your car seats and your couch, you know. I'm right, telling right. you, man. Well, and it's not that, you know, it's that we're not funding things that are necessary. It's that the devil is in the details. That's right. And they're taking our money so we can fund criminal behavior, drug addiction, you know, maybe even live entertainment and the arts, but we're not keeping our community safe. And so we've got all these candidates that we are bringing to you folks out there so that you can inform your friends, you know, go back to all the podcasts where we've had these candidates on to do more than just hand you a three bullet point flyer so that you can get to know them. So you have information, you are equipped to make everyone you know turn out to vote because they say, well, I don't know the candidates. I don't trust the voters pamphlet. You can say, here, here's an interview on Right Spokane Perspective. Get that ballot turned in because they're in your hands right now, folks. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. And today is no different. We are definitely serving up a candidate, a candidate that you heard from right prior to the primary election this year. And his name is Brian Noble. He happens to be running for Spokane County Commissioner. As we always strongly encourage you, you got to log on and check him out or pick up that phone and make a call. You can go ahead and and log on by going to www.electnoble.com. Again, that'll be electnoble.com. If you can't do the good old internet thing or you're just looking to provide some support, maybe ask a few questions, please pick up the phone, dial Brian up locally by dialing 509 904 
904-9270. Again, that'll be 904-9270. And with that said, welcome to the Right Spokane Perspective. Brian, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you betcha. Well, you know, first obvious question, it's not going to be the same as what we asked during the primary, but what we are looking for here is how is the campaigning going right now? And, you know, obviously, you know, when you started your campaign, you had a series of tenants for your campaign, your Mm -hmm. priorities and things like that. And now that you've gotten yourself through the primary, you've been out there knocking on doors, you're meeting with business people and others, you know, have those priorities changed a little bit? Have they expanded, enhanced? Please. Yeah, absolutely. As I've been talking to people and listening to their stories, I've been hearing and understanding that there's a couple things that are on top of mind. First, property tax is on the top of everyone's mind and how it's skyrocketing for them. I've met with a number of elderly people who say, you know what? We are making property tax payments at the level of our original house payment. And it's just unacceptable to price out our homes and not truly own our home and, and be renting it back from the government. So that's number one story I keep hearing. And then obviously lawlessness and homelessness have come up almost every conversation. Oh, you betcha. And, you know, what are some of the people saying to you about the lawlessness, the homelessness, that kind of stuff? Well, this is what I'm finding is a lot of people begin to say, like, this is so complicated. We don't know who's in charge. It's actually very simple. We have a constitutional sheriff who can enforce the law of the land. And what we need to understand is this. We need to understand that the three criteria, the three problems, mental illness, drug addiction, and choice can all be handled. We can offer people practical solutions who have mental illness and we can offer them help. There's plenty of resources to do that. Secondly, on the addiction part, we have plenty of resources, whether it's a Union Gospel Mission or Catholic Charities, anything in between. I just picked those two because they're kind of low barrier, high barrier organizations that we can offer to them solutions that will truly help them. And if they choose not to accept our help, then the only thing that we have left is to enforce the laws of the land and take care of the lawlessness that they're creating. Now, we had a, a big interview with the sheriff and basically, you know, obviously the courts, the state laws are in the way of law enforcement in a lot of ways. But even if we could solve some of those problems and and empower our police to arrest and charge, our prosecutors can charge people that are trafficking in drugs or, you know, other criminal activity having to do with this homeless issue because it's a way more, I mean, it's not that it's complicated. It's it's criminal activity parading as homelessness a lot of times, Mm -hmm. but there's no jail. And we've talked to lots of elected officials. I've been talking about a a decade or so, what are we going to do about a jail right now? We just don't have the facilities for the size county that we've become because we haven't added really jail space or an effective jail in my lifetime here in the Spokane County area. Yeah, as a sheriff's chaplain, I've been inside many local jails, whether it's a Spokane County Jail or up in Bonner County into their jail. And I do understand that there's different systems. There's the pod system versus what we have downtown, which takes a lot more manpower. So I would like to put before the people, you know, hey, should we we build a new pod system type of jail that we can have lower staff that's watching more more people? I think that's incredibly important. But I also think there's an underlying principle. It seems as I talk to people, everyone wants to blame shift. They want to say, no, that's the city's job. No, that's the state's job. No, that's, we've got to stop this stuff of blame shifting and have someone stand up and be the parent, right? We need someone to take responsibility and come in and say, this is the right thing to do. Now, we all know this. We can move inmates around. I mean, the fact is you can rent space anywhere. It's expensive. There's more 
more cost-effective ways to do it. But the fact is, is when you begin to take care of your small businesses, take care of your local people, you will begin to see lawfulness and civility come back to our county and people will say, you know what, this is a, a place I want to live. So then what does that do? It generates more you know, tax revenue in essence so that we can pay for these things. You bet. Well, you know, uh, you've already kind of outlined one of the things that you'd like to do when you get elected. Uh, what are a couple of the others? Well, I would really like to find a creative way to take care of our seniors and property tax. And also even like the young people coming in who want to purchase a home, you know, we're outpricing them in the market simply by having over-regulation on new home builds. We're having over-regulation on land and making it very difficult for the new homeowner to own a home, but also for the senior to stay in their home. And so can we find a way, you know, when you look at the constitution, the the concept and the idea of property tax is really not in there. It's mostly a use tax that, that we see in the Constitution of the United States and in Washington State Constitution. So, but we're being taxed to use property that supposedly is ours while we're just basically renting from government. Exactly. And I want to find a lasting solution. I know it can't be an overnight solution because there's so many things tied into this. We have schools. We have all this stuff tied into that. So I don't want to freak people out. We're going to have to have a lot of robust debate to figure out a long-term solution. But really finding a way to take care of that senior population. I had a lady almost in tears. She says, Brian, I don't know what to do because I've paid off my home years ago, but my tax payment is the same size as my house payment was when I originally had it. And my spouse is gone. I'm only on social security. I don't know what to do. Well, in the social security, they just saw a record increase this last year, but that's after many years of just getting like a 1% increase. And they're looking at the cost of insuring their home because it's not just the taxes or the taxes on the insurance, but it's the insurance itself. Now we have an insurance commissioner in this state that I think is a communist, but I think that you look at what we're paying, the replacement value of these houses, you know, you bought your house 20 years ago, it was worth 120,000. Now it's worth 450,000 somehow, but you couldn't sell it for that and of course you couldn't replace it for anything that you could obviously on a fixed income they're paying in just their property tax just the utilities there's now saying okay just to live here now i've got to start deciding which medications i really need and how much food i need for the month yeah and usually people bring up these ideas like hey well they can apply for that reduction that the seniors can apply for and we they can apply for this but a lot of people what they have is they're right on the line so yes the low income you know they that usually don't own the homes i mean quite frankly can apply for those but what about the person who has a small pension who is able just to barely get by on what they're they're having come in and that in-between person always suffers the most the middle class retired person now now tell me about that because you're big into this issue it sounds like so the program that the county has for folks on social security to reduce their property tax payment that sounds like a wonderful plan but people don't realize that it doesn't cover really the property tax payment because most of that is bonds and other things it that is. voters approved. And all of that, you're, you're talking about maybe a 10% reduction. What it, is it? Yeah, I don't know the exact percentage, so I don't want to pretend to, to know that. Because it's going to be different in different it, districts. It, it is. It's going to be different all across our county. But I will say this. You're exactly right. It's only a portion of it. And so we got to find a lasting solution. And it's not going to become from just saying, let's just continue to raise the taxes. And that's what my opponent has suggested in the past and has voted that way in the past. Right. It's just to simply raise the taxes. 
you know, I understand there is a middle class and a low income. I've lived in that. I know that. I understand how every dollar counts. And so I want to be the voice for the everyday person to say, how can I live in this great place that we call the Spokane area and survive? Can you kind of describe for the listeners there your commissioner district? Yeah. So the fourth district, it's just easy to think about Otis Orchards, south of Trent, and then you kind of jog down to Sprague and it's south of Sprague all the way over kind of the back end of the South Hill, like maybe 65th, right in that area, and then south all the way down to Latah. So you're from the border there over to the highway. And so that's that's kind of the fourth district right there. And it entails everything from farmland. And as I talk to farmers, their water rights. It's interesting about, we're talking about property. Sure. When we look at spring runoff, they're calling that a river, right? But it's only there temporarily while, while the snow is melting. It's a federal waterway. It's kind of like, I would say the gutters that I have that are attached to my house, uh, as soon as it hits the ground, it becomes a federal waterway. Exactly. And so what, what the government is wanting now is so far setbacks so that they can't even farm those lands. Wow. And so it's like, how do we help these farmers take the land that they purchased? I was raised on a farm. Every square inch is vital to making a profit, to making a sustainability for my family. And then they say, no, just a little bit further setback. Keep your cows just back. Well, you know what? That is usually the best land that we have there. And we have something called dirt that filters out all the things that cows put in there. You know, right. it, it's, it's a system that works. And well, so locally, <laughs> people go to the store, to the hardware store, and they buy the things that those cattle put out, especially for their garden so they can grow food in their own garden. But the you know, other thing about supporting local farmers is it's also nice to be able to eat locally. It is. And you think about this is that the farmers are critical to our infrastructure. If we don't have food and beef and, and corn and all those kind of things, and we, we're going to have a problem. And so as we look around the society and around our culture, we need to support our farmers. Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, with that contact information, we're going to head off into break. www.electnoble.com. Again, that'll be electnoble.com. If you can't do the good old internet thing, you want to make a call, dial Brian up locally by dialing 509-904-9270. Again, 904-9270. We'll be right back. This is Caleb Collier. And I'm Gavin Spees of Turning Point USA Faith with exciting news for the Inland Northwest. America is at a turning point. The direction she takes is up to you. Free America Tour featuring Charlie Kirk is coming to Spokane October 29th at 4 p.m. This is a free event hosted by Valley Assembly Church at 15618 East Broadway in Spokane Valley, Washington. Arrive early for priority seating. Get tickets now at tpusa.com forward slash free America. Links can also be found at churchandstate.media. Christians, it's time to activate to prove once and for all that God is greater than government. You will be blessed. You will be motivated to take action. You're looking at your ballot and realize you need more information about candidates and issues. There are two organizations that you can check out. The Citizens Alliance for Property Rights. Check them out at www.capr.us. And then We Believe We Vote is also a great source from the Christian perspective on candidates and issues. So log on to www.webelievewevote.com. Again, that's www.capr.us and www.webelievewevote.com. 
And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on your campaign update this Wednesday here on Right Spokane Perspective. Now, in case you missed out on the first half of today's show, don't fret. There is redemption. You can catch us on a rebroadcast at 9 p.m. tonight right here on the fabulous 630 or 96.5 FM. Or you can grab that good old-fashioned internet, type into your favorite podcast service, Right Spokane Perspective. Your ballots are out. That means everybody you know that's registered to vote has their ballot also. So you got to get those folks to turn out and vote share the right spokane perspective podcast we've done a lot of interviews with candidates so everyone's well equipped and informed it's a lot more than that little three bullet points that you received in the mail so get people to turn out and vote it's imperative so we jumped off into the break we're talking again to brian noble running for county commissioner district for oh, you bet we were just talking about the farm or the, the agriculture yeah. contacts yes. that you've had out there since the primary and you know they've already brought up the issue of water rights and we know that with farmers those folks that are taking care of us that are trying to sustain our pantries and things right those guys definitely need a little bit of love that is for sure and you know the way that the department of national resources the epa ecology treats our farmers you know with regard to water runoff and things like this it's just egregious that was a freudian slip you said department of national resources it's natural resources resources. (laughs) but they definitely are trying to nationalize it where bureaucrats in olympia or dc are going to make decisions about our food our trees our how about fuel for the farmers what are they saying to you about gas prices and diesel well, I think the fuel is interesting because there's two problems. It's it's the taxation that's coming on and and the prices that they're having that was costing everything. But it's also theft. We're not thinking about this. Like people are stealing each other's fuel, and we got to get to a pack to a place where we simply respect each other and that we're not stealing the farmer's fuel that's trying to feed us. We're it's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting. I didn't even think about that. I mean, you think about that inside the city limits where you know the drug addicts are trying to siphon your gas, poke a hole in your gas tank. But these farmers have equipment that are way out there in the field, and they're trying to preserve their diesel so they leave it there so they can come back the next day and continue to plow right. and they got a couple hundred gallons of diesel sitting in that tractor and they you know and they've ruined the machine or at least ruined the tank of the sure, machine so sure. so the theft is a huge problem but we also got to look at our taxation and we know that there's red diesel right so there is a tax relief for farmers who use that for just for farming right and so we understand that but we got to come to that bottom line is to say you know farmers here's the thing do we want big metropolitan farms that you know that are owned by people all, all across the world or do we want the local farmer who's going to feed us and i'll tell you i want the local farmer to feed me yeah i don't want bill gates to own all my food production because then you have to update your food every couple months right (laughs) with a new download i think is what you're talking about yeah yeah a new download you have to update and even even so tim just think you're getting fake meat right yes fake veggies yeah pink slime and yeah engineered fruit that you've never seen before yeah no i'm I'm good without that so so you know talking about the farms are important because of course everybody in the urban area areas need those resources locally especially looking at the economy and things that are happening in the world today we want to be secure in in our food sources and not have to depend on say i don't know russia for for weed and things like that so you know talking about the urban area because you we will be representing both urban and the farmland what are you hearing about the urban situation you just talked about fuel theft out uh, on the farms right what are you hearing locally well here's what i'm hearing locally first off it was interesting i sat down with a reporter and and we were talking about this farm he says, yeah, but let's, let's go over here. I said, do you understand that everything in this, in this grocery store came from a farm, right? I mean, the very produce that you eat didn't come from a little garden thing that you have in the back of your apartment complex, right? right? It came from a farm. And so there's this tie from, from rural America into the larger cities. And so when we look at Spokane Valley, it is in 
imperative that we make that connection, that the economy affects each other. And so on the local level, we see this. We see that property crimes are up incredibly in our communities. We see that law enforcement is barely staffed in order to make the minimums. And then we also see that there is a lack of jurisdiction understanding or enforcement that would cause us to feel safe in our community. In other words, we have the blame game going right now. It's time where we stand up and say enough is enough. And on a local level, person to person, we start calling each other out when we're not being respectful. And, and you know, like we did in the, when I was growing up, you know, I remember one time I, I spit on the ground and my grandma said, no, you're not doing that. Right. I mean, just for, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, because why we were to respect our communities. That's right. And it was like, no, you're not doing that. Now we allow foul language. We allow every people just to misbehave in, in public um, as if it's nothing. Run around misbehave. in public naked and, you know, uh, <laughs> sit on the corner, sit actually, on the corner no, with needles actually, hanging we, out of their we, arm. We don't let people sit on the corner hanging with needles out their arm anymore, Mike, because we're pushing them into the residential areas because at the corners, we're putting up blue lights at night uh, so that they yeah, can't find right. their veins because we're not stopping the crime. Instead, we just find ways to move it into my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't. Got, yeah, the, the blue got, lights. Exactly. Well, I haven't noticed the blue light, but I've so, seen the so, fences they've been putting up. Well, they put the fences around the homeless encampment, but my wife, I forgot something, and I work really weird hours, different shifts and things, so my wife had to leave at night. And that's where we are now. Now we're at a position where you don't want to go anywhere at night because you don't feel safe. So my wife ventured from our very secure home where we have lots of avenues of keeping our family safe. We'll that's a nice leave, way of saying that. We'll, we'll leave it that way. I mean, you know, the dogs and good neighbors and, you know, lots of points of, anyways, we're not going to talk anymore about that. We don't want to give away the ghost, but you know, the, this thing with the blue light, she says, why are these blue lights popping up at the corners? And I said, you know, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, obviously they're doing it downtown. You know, they've done it in the bathrooms now. They're putting up blue lights. So instead of actually enforcing the law and fixing cultural rot, we're just going to have to put up with bad blue lighting at the corners. And that you got to drive through the city and county and see it. It's it disgusts me because we're paying for this change in infrastructure because we're not holding people accountable. Exactly right. And this is the resources that we do have. We have a generous community that can make an impact, whether it's in our nonprofit world or our church world. They're willing to step up and say, we're go- we want to impact these, law- the- these individuals and-, and make sure that they are taken care of. I was talking to this lady at Catholic Charities and one of the uppity, uppity up people, and she was saying the problem is, is that the government is working against us right now. So they've come up with these tenant laws where we can't remove bad actors from our apartment complex. So here we have a family who has a need who would be a great tenant, but we can't remove this person and free up that bed because of the laws. So the regulations of this law are keeping that family displaced. Yeah. And And all the while, the individual, the the one that's not preferred is in there vandalizing the inside of the apartment or actually engaging in destruction of walls and fixtures and appliances and things to that effect. Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I saw it a lot when I served on the city council. You know, in some of these low-income apartments, some of these homeless catering apartment complexes and things like that. Well, even just the mom and pops where they end up with a bad tenant, that tenant moves and then they allow some derelicts to move in. The person you don't even have a contract with is now basically running a drug ring or, you know, a a Mm -hmm. flop house out of an apartment or a house that you own. And the government has made it so difficult to get rid of them. Then the place is destroyed and you have to, you know, carpet, paint, drywall, all that stuff. 
so you can rent it to a working family that needs affordable living, but it can't be affordable anymore because the peop- the bad actors are, are making us pay not just in tax dollars, but also in rent and every other avenue in life because of what they've ruined. Now, exactly what are, right. What are the businesses telling you? What I'm hearing the businesses tell me is the government has been working. I mean, COVID just shut down so many small businesses. Yes, it's it so difficult. And the county commissioners affect that. They sit on the health district board. And what we do is we've somehow come up with this great idea that Washington, D.C. is going to pay for everyone. That was sarcasm, by the way. And we come up to this place where we say, well, someone's going to bail us out. You know, that money has to come from somewhere. And it's coming from our pockets, from taxation, from us. And to say that our next generation is going to pay it off or through inflation or, or through printing money, it's not going to happen, folks. We're going to have a huge problem. So when we look at local businesses, they're saying a couple things. A, they can't find employees because the government is uh, subsidizing people too much right now that don't, you know, not to work. B, when they do find employees, they oftentimes don't want to work or they're, you know, they're hard to get, you know, to get rid of once you have them. And then the last thing is, is that we see that so many of these small mom pops got shut down during COVID because of the restrictions. They couldn't keep their doors open. And we've got to have people who are going to stand up and say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Come to the table and let's find lasting solutions. So I'll give you a, just a very practical solution. Sure. It would have been very practical for say to the small business owners, you're essential. First off, number one. Number two, tell us what you're going to do. Are you going to enforce masks, not enforce masks, or it's optional? Just have them post that on the door. Someone walks up and says, I'm a mask person. I don't want to go in there. It's not enforced. Right. Or I'm, at least they have a choice. Yeah, they you have, have a choice. And, and, and just leave it at that. That's the only regulation they could, they could say. Just post what you're going to do so people have the choice to enter in that environment or not practical solution small businesses want to keep their people alive because that's their customer and they would have done what was best and left it in the hands of the small business to make the decision i've never seen government once produce anything i've only seen them take well, and it's pretty crazy. I mean, we all saw that, you know, the the small business, the mom and pop shop, the little, you know, donut shop, cafe, whatever it was, was shut down. You know, the churches were shut down, but the strip clubs and the casinos, you know, those, the COVID didn't like it there. Oh, and the pot shops were open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and the big box, you know, stores and yeah, and exactly. people who had lobbyists to protect them. Basically, that's what it, it, I think it's the money in politics is really causing a lot of this rot of good policy in this country. And yeah, so if you've you know if you got a lobbyist and you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars into political packs you're probably going to have political cover and that's where you need your county commissioners to be your voice on those boards they sit on like 50 or 60 different boards and they're they're there to represent the people and the non-elected bureaucrats they they're there as well but we're there to convince them to say do the right thing and then sure. also know where the authority lies who's elected and who's not elected this is so critical to our system is know where the authority is so that we can move forward as a civil society that has robust dialogue, great ideas, but comes at the end of the day, great solutions that serve the people. You bet. Now, do you anticipate spending a lot of time, maybe a medium amount of time over in Olympia? Well, I I anticipate being here working for the people. And I also anticipate using that same influence, whether that be with our sheriff, with our judicial system, or with our legislative branches to make sure that we're being represented. I'm not big on just taking trips just to take trips. I've already traveled. I'm a published author. I've done all that. I've been in almost every state. So, you know, just traveling for fun is not what what I want to do, but influence is there. I want to make sure that we challenge our sheriff to do the right thing and our judicial department to say, listen, yeah, I know we're the purse. I know we set the budgets, but even much more than that, we need you to start enforcing the laws. And how are you guys, how are you two going to work together? And that's what I've done for decades as a mediator is got people to work together who didn't want to agree at the beginning of the conversation. Right. You betcha. All right. Got a couple more minutes here until the end of today's broadcast, Brian, please, you know, 
why don't you grab the mic and give the listeners your heart? I mean, why is this election so special as well as important? Yeah, I believe at that, all levels. At all levels. Yeah, I believe that we're at crossroads, whether it's locally, a state level, or federal level. And I think that as we look at those ballots and we think about who's going to represent us, find people who believe in America and believes in this country. Secondly, find people who aren't going to polarize and call names the whole time, but really is going to have conversation that brings people together to get the best ideas out. Negotiators, people who can come to the table and say, listen, we need what's best for our people and start stop all the other rhetoric. I've noticed that what we've done in our communities and it, on the local level or even state level is that we've gone to the place of just simply belittling people or, or name calling so we don't have to debate the issues. Mm-hmm. The fact is... All of these issues can be resolved now because we have smart people who know their communities, that know the talents and abilities that reside here, and we can fix every one of these solutions easily. It's called leadership, and you can have a choice. You can vote for me, a leader, or for my opponent, a CPA. There you go. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are about out of time for today. We definitely want to extend a huge right Spokane perspective. Welcome to Mr. Brian Noble, once again, candidate for Spokane County Commissioner. You guys have got your ballots in front of you, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, as Tim uh, always retorts, if you will, you guys, all you got to do is log on to that favorite podcast platform, type in right Spokane perspective, and you'll be able to listen to a series and the archives of right Spokane perspective and their candidate features here once again folks for contact information for mr noble triple w dot electnoble.com once again that'll be electnoble.com if you can't do the good old internet thing pick up the phone dial him up locally at 509-904-9270 again 904-9270 i'm telling you folks jump on brian noble's webpage. i mean it is the best web page that i have seen a candidate produce this particular web page is also equipped with a short survey so that Brian's campaign team can see exactly where you are coming from. He's all about principles versus emotions. So please take that in consideration. It's okay to be awake, but not woke, ladies and gentlemen. All All that that being being said, said, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.